There is no denying today that we're looking around the world. Geopolitically speaking, it's a mess. And as a matter of fact, it's rather more complicated than we think. Let's take America, for example. Now, at this moment, either you're saying this country is facing one another political polarization, or you could say that today we're looking at the Republicans and Democrats Everyone is saying that what is going to happen to the country? And how about this next president? On one hand, again, we've seen the candidates from the Republican side. And also from the Democrat side, we have the current incumbent, Joe Biden. And we have, you know, again, Robert Kennedy Jr. And of course, we have the third party candidate. Now, here's something that might surprise you. Michelle Obama. That's right. The former first lady. And guess what? She is also gearing up for the 2024 presidential election. Now, this is the question you want to ask. What is going on today? And how come that we have not heard anything? And also, we're looking at this competition among all the candidates. Is it too late for her to enter the race? And what about her? How much do we understand the preparation at this moment for her presidential campaign? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker, and who is Joel Gilbert. Again, if you're familiar with Joel, and not only he's a journalist, but also uh, you should be familiar with his new book, again, related to Michelle Obama. It's called Michelle Obama 2024, and Joel is here to help us to understand what motivation uh, did Obama, uh, Michelle Obama have and why she's leaving this comfortable life and gearing up for the 2024 presidential election. Well, Joel, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Great to be here. Thanks for having me today. Joel, I want to get the question started. Again, before we talk about Michelle Obama's 2024 ambition, I think the fundamental question we need to ask is, who is Michelle Obama today? I mean, again, you know, we introduce this person, I have to say, this former first lady. And also, uh, we know her credentials and also within academia. But somehow, I think there's still a lot of missing piece that we don't know about this person. So from your perspective, who is Michelle Obama today in the year of 2023? And why is she so significant to this race? Okay, well, there's two Michelle Obamas. There's the public perception of Michelle Obama and the story that she's put out for years about who she is. Mm. And that's the story that Michelle Obama says that I'm a person who came from the south side of Chicago. I was discriminated against in my life. I was held back in life. I had to overcome obstacles. Mm. And uh, I hate politics. And I just went to the White House because my husband was a politician. And I want to help save the world and help children. That's mm. her kind of public persona that the media has helped feed into for for many years, and that's allowed her to develop a very sympathetic uh, public perception. She's probably the most popular person in America, if not the entire world, just because of her public persona. Now, in my film and book uh, called Michelle Obama 2024, mm. I actually researched Michelle Obama. I went to Chicago. I talked to three of her boyfriends, her elementary school classmates and teachers, uh, her college professor, her thesis advisor, you name it, even her mother. Mm. And uh, I give you the real Michelle Obama. The real Michelle Obama is a political animal. She's mm. a highly political person. Mm. 
She's a better politician than her husband, Barack. Mm. She's a better speaker. She comes across more authentic. She's not from the south side of Chicago, like she claims. She's from South Shore, which is an exclusive middle-class community on Lake Michigan. Uh, we find out that growing up, Michelle's father was a politician, a precinct captain in Chicago. Mm. He worked for the Democrat Party machine. Michelle also grew up in Jesse Jackson's house, the iconic civil rights leader, because she was friends with his daughter, Santita, when he was running for president. Mm. So she's been around politics all her life. Uh, I also find out that she had a terrible relationship with the black community in Chicago. Uh, as a kid, she refused to study with other black kids. Instead of going to an all-black high school one block from her house, which was a good school, it was all black. So her and her brother went an hour away to study at a magnet school and a private Catholic school with all whites at great expense. Mm. The kids would beat Michelle up as a kid and tell her she was acting white. Uh, they would call her an Oreo, meaning you're black on the outside, but you're really white on the inside. Mm. Michelle writes about getting in fistfights with girls. Then Michelle got her revenge on the black community uh, working for the mayor of Chicago as assistant planning commissioner. She made 20,000 black people homeless. She knocked down their homes and gave away the land to these Democrat de developers who wanted the land. And having proven how callous she was toward the black community, Michelle was hired by the University of Chicago Medical Center. And her job was to kick black people out of the emergency room. It was called patient dumping. It was illegal. If you showed up and you were black to the University of Chicago emergency room, Michelle would put you in a van and dump you back on the south side. Mm. So Michelle has a terrible relationship with the black community. It's one of exploitation and abuse. So for politics, Michelle has tried to create this story. I'm just an ordinary black person from the south side. I discovered suffered discrimination. It's to trick black voters and minorities into supporting her politically with the fake story that She's somebody who she's not really is not. And you might remember back in 2008 on the campaign trail for Barack Obama, Michelle was filling up stadiums, That's bigger right. crowds than Barack. That's right. And she was very nasty anti-American speeches. And uh, by the way, I show that she got her anti-American rhetoric from Bernadine Dorn. Mm. Michelle was very close to an anti-American uh, domestic terrorist named Bernadine Dorn in Chicago, mm. one of the heads of the Weather Underground. So you might remember that Michelle, one night she said for the first time in her life, she was proud of her country mm. uh, because Barack won a primary. Now, she said a lot worse things than that, but the media picked up on that. And that's when the campaign, the Obama campaign said to her, look, we could lose the election because people are going to hate you. Now they're paying attention to what you're saying. And that's when she took a step back and said, oh, I hate politics. I just want to be the mom in chief. And that's when she transitioned kind of into this sympathetic figure who's kind of above it all. Mm. Uh, but uh, that's the real Michelle Obama. She's a very political person. And I make the case she's really been running for president uh, to get the Obamas back into the White House for the past four years. Joe, again, it's quite interesting that you mentioned that she's preparing herself to enter this race. But I think from our perspective, how come that we have not heard anything so far. I mean, again, I have to say as a journalist on the daily basis that the first thing wake up in the morning is turn on the TV, turn on the radio and go to the internet. Again, as we mentioned before, from the Republican side, we have more than 10 candidates. But on the Democrat side, we have the incumbent Joe Biden and we have 
other, uh, I guess, uh, challenger. You know, we have Robert Kennedy Jr. And we have the third party candidates, etc. But so far that it's been really quiet for Michelle Obama. So that's why I, I can't resist the ask question, Joe. Why do you think that she's gearing up for the 2024 election? And ultimately, besides bringing Obama back to the White House, what other ambition and what other possible goals and purposes that she's trying to accomplish from your perspective? Okay, thank you. Well, uh, I've been following the Obamas for years. I'm pretty well known from my film in 2012 about Barack Obama called Dreams from My Real Father, mm. where I make the case that his real biological father is not the Kenyan student that he claimed, but it was a American communist named Frank Marshall Davis who raised him in Hawaii. Obama admits he was raised by this guy, and he looks just like him, nothing like the, he looks nothing like the Kenyan student. Mm. Uh, so I've been following the Obamas for years, and I noticed that Michelle was copying exactly what Barack did before he ran for president. She was doing the same things. Uh, Barack was the keynote speaker who introduced John Kerry at the 2004 Democrat Party election. Sure That's enough, right. there was Michelle introducing Joe Biden at the 2020 election. The keynote speaker is the one that they think will be the nominee at the next convention. Barack wrote two autobiographies, Dreams from My Father, and the audacity of hope before he ran for president. And when a politician writes an autobiography at a very young age, it's typically a political document that's intended to give it to the media so they can just repeat whatever they wrote without mm. asking any questions. Mm. Sure enough, Michelle wrote two autobiographies, uh, Becoming and The Light We Carry, which are also both on Netflix as movies. And lastly, Barack had a voter registration organization called Project Vote in Chicago, Sure enough, Michelle, four years ago, started something called When We All Vote, and it's been given $26 million by the George Soros people. So she's registering people to vote every day. And I think the Democrat Party has set it up for her. They canceled their first primary, which is usually in Iowa, where Michelle would have had to campaign in 100 counties. And now their first primary, they moved it to South Carolina, where half of the Democrat Party voters there are going to be African-American. And it's also a state that Michelle had claimed as her adopted home state because mm. her grandparents are from South Carolina. And the Democrat Party National Convention is in Chicago, mm. of all places, Michelle's hometown. So I think they set it up for her. We have a deadline coming up on December 23rd when candidates have to get in all their signatures to appear on the primary ballots by December 23rd. So I'm predicting that Michelle will announce sometime in November, maybe in three or four weeks, mm. she'll have plenty of time to get her signatures to raise all the money she needs. And uh, the Obamas, I think, badly want back in the White House. They're both political animals. They mm. never left Washington, D.C. Even though they have a, a, a summer home in Martha's Vineyard with the other white elites, uh, they kept a home in Washington. Barack consults constantly with his former staffers which make up 70% of the Biden administration. And uh, they just never left politics. If you look at Michelle's Twitter account, it's it's all politics all the time. And I'm convinced she's she's getting ready to run. Mm. Now, again, Joel, I mean, you understand the political game better than I do. Now, again, let's bring another person into our conversation, which is Oprah. I mean, everyone knows that Oprah, she's, she's a well-known speaker, and also she's very eloquent, now, but coming up to 2024, or coming up to the uh, Netflix series that you mentioned, but ultimately, I think today, we need to understand is, what is the relationship 
between the Obamas and Oprah. I mean, again, we've seen multiple occasions that Oprah was invited or uh, either she was the moderator or she was the hostess. But anyway, again, we there seemed to be a very tangible and also indescribable relationship between Obama and Oprah. So why, why is Oprah so significant? And especially today to the contribution of Michelle Obama, potentially for this political ambition or for this presidential run. Uh, Oprah Winfrey has an intimate relationship with the Obamas. It goes back to 2008 when Obama was first going out on the campaign trail against Hillary Clinton, who was the favorite. Mm. And uh, Oprah Winfrey went out and would introduce uh, Obama at all his public rallies. And she kind of brought her audience of suburban women in to come and check out Obama because she was accepting him. Mm. Now, ironically, Oprah, for 20 or 30 years, her entire programming was based toward empowering women, women's empowerment. So when she decided to uh, endorse Obama rather than Hillary Clinton, would be the natural person for her to to uh, endorse because Hillary Clinton was a woman. I think that's what her audience expected her to seek women's empowerment with Hillary Clinton. Instead, Oprah Winfrey went for the racial element and said, well, because Obama is biracial or black, uh, I'll endorse him. And ironically, even though she brought in a large audience to, to check out and accept Obama, Oprah actually ended up losing a lot of her audience who were very disappointed that she abandoned 20, 30 years of women's empowerment and she ended up losing her TV show because of that. Her audience mm. decided she was a big phony. Uh, but Oprah did bring large audiences to come meet Obama. He would introduce, uh, she would introduce him before the rallies. And she had an intimate, intimate part of promoting Barack Obama and gaining acceptance for him to a wider audience. After Obama became president, and because Oprah lost her TV show, the Obamas would bring her in regularly and she would introduce and interview Michelle and Barack in various scenarios over the years, uh, including when Obama released his birth certificate. She hosted him and let him talk about it. Uh, and she's been interviewing Michelle for years as well. It's kind of a, a relationship where they kind of use each other. Oprah has, still has a large audience and very sympathetic, and uh, Michelle needs her to interview her. So, for example, for her new book, The Light We Carry, mm. uh, Oprah was the celebrity host here in Los Angeles, I actually went to that event at the YouTube theater where they sat down and Oprah interviewed her for two hours. And it was like a campaign rally. People mm. came two hours early. They were singing and dancing. Michelle's like this big rock star. And Oprah did the interview. It's now on Netflix. Uh, so Oprah has a, a very large role in uh, making the Obamas acceptable and introducing this very odd political couple out of Chicago and making them mainstream and acceptable. But as you find out from my book, Michelle Obama 2024, the Obamas are actually radicals and they were able to cover up their radical political beliefs with people like Oprah Winfrey that would make them seem you know, acceptable and traditional and normal. But the Obamas uh, were heavily influenced by Bill Ayers and, whether, uh, and Bernadine Dorn, the domestic terrorists from the 60s. They were good friends with them. They had dinner at their house for years in the 90s. And many of their policies and the radical policies you see in the Democrat Party today are almost straight out of the weather underground, uh, you know, far-left radical communist nonsense that, that uh, they promoted in the late 60s. 
Mm. Joe, I want to talk about Michelle's personality and also his uh, her characteristics, because we know at this moment again you're the expert on a uh, political uh, atmosphere or political spectrum. But we know that today, if you are running or if you plan to run as a presidential candidate, and you gotta have something that's so significant and so irreplaceable bring to the table. And again, it's not just how well you can talk, you know, and also it's not just about how many words and how much that you can really persuade the audience. But one thing that you have to bring something so irreplaceable and so unique to the table, and again, we're looking at the voters and we're looking at the younger generations. Again, we know Michelle Obama, going back to the point, that she was the former first lady. But right now, even though she's very politically active on social media, what do you think some of the unique characteristics that she either improves or she tried to maintain and so that, that she able to gain more attractions? Because again, this is not a position for a local mayor, and this is not a position for a local governor. This is going to be the president for the free world and the president for the for the country. So what do you think she can bring to the table? Is she actually ready for this role? Well, let me explain a few things. Uh, the Democrat Party requires about a 90 to 95 percent vote from African Americans to get their their. Uh, candidates elected. Mm. Now, Donald Trump made a lot of inroads in the black community by delivering for them things that Democrats promised for 60 years and never delivered. Uh, Trump brought a robust economy, prison reform, school choice, on and on. And the black community started supporting Donald Trump. So this was a huge threat to the Democrat Party. Mm. Uh, that's why when Biden got into office, they started appointing black Americans to as many positions as they could think of. The UN ambassador is a black lady, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, press secretary, uh, house minority leader. Everywhere you can think of, they're appointing blacks and their message to black voters is rather insulting. It's we look like you, so you should vote for us. Mm. And Michelle just ticks all the boxes being a, a black American and it allows the media to uh, attack anybody that doesn't agree with her and claim that they're either racist or sexist. So she brings that to the table. Uh, she is a, a genuinely, uh, on the surface, she does a good job of kind of being down to earth. She can appear to be down to earth, uh, the same as Barack Obama. Then when she starts talking about politics, you have to say, whoa, what, the, what in the hell is she talking about? Mm. But she has the benefit of the media to pretty much cover up any uh, blemishes and never ask her a serious question. The same thing happened with Barack Obama. He Sometimes he would accidentally burst through and say things that were so strange and radical, uh, but normally they would, they would kind of cover up and create this image and never ask him a tough question. You might remember Obama said in 2008, we're going to spread the wealth around. He mm. told a voter, I believe in spreading the wealth around, which is a redistributionist a Marxist concept uh, that is anti-American. Uh, another time he accidentally got so excited, he said, in five days, we're going to fundamentally transform the United States of America. And people kind of clapped. They really didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, another time, he said three times on the campaign trail, he said, in America, we're going to have uh, a civil police force just as powerful as our military, just as well-funded. 
Now, no one knew what the hell he was talking about, so mm. people kind of clapped. But a, a civil police force is some kind of uh, state militia, like the Sabak or the Guardia Civil. It's some kind of, uh, you know, Stasi. Uh, uh, who ever heard of, a, of an internal civil police force unless it's a communist country? So Obama accidentally would say some, his radicalism would kind of burst through, but the media was able to cover it up for him. The media would play the same role for Michelle Obama, just kind of repeating the things that she wrote in her autobiographies that are not true, covering up her terrible relationship and her abuse and exploitation of the black community in her career, and uh, allowing her to kind of just float through without having to answer questions. But if I was Donald Trump to expose Michelle Obama, because black voters are no fools, if they knew that Michelle was afraid of black people, that mm. she ran away from them and exploited them, they wouldn't support her. So Donald Trump needs to say things like, Michelle Obama, how much money did you make from white liberals denying access to health care to black people? Mm. Michelle Obama, are you going to apologize for what you did to the black community in Chicago? That'll open up a whole can of worms where people will start to question, like, what is this woman really about? Hmm. Joe, two more questions before letting you go. Now, let's talk about something you mentioned. It's called imposter syndrome. And again, again yeah. this is something that's quite alarming. I have to say that before reading about that, it's not something that we can hear on a daily basis. But again, in your book and also in your film, that you actually dive into the concept called imposter syndrome. So, Joe, let's start with the first question. What is imposter syndrome, and why was that significant in your film and also in your book? What was the message you're trying to present? Well, Michelle has openly talked about having this psychological condition called imposter syndrome, and it's a feeling that adults have based on experiences in childhood that they don't belong. Mm. They don't belong, and they don't deserve what they're doing and that maybe they'll be found out to be a phony or a fraud. Now, Michelle has actually said she has this syndrome. Now, if you look at my book and film, I think she picked it up from uh, her mother registered her. Instead of going to an all-black elementary school near their house, her mother illegally registered her at a, uh, at a white school mm. in, a, in a district where it would have been a, a misdemeanor for, and a crime to register your child in, a, in a, the wrong district, but she wanted the, they wanted to avoid studying with black people. So Michelle, as a small child, was probably told by her mother, don't tell anybody where you live. People are going to find out you don't belong here. And then, you know, then Michelle went to a magnet school, and she had trouble keeping up her grades. She had to study twice as hard to get good grades. So again, she had the feeling probably she didn't belong. Uh, same thing, she went to Princeton University, uh, even though she had low test scores, she probably got accepted because she was African-American on a affirmative action. So again, she was at Princeton feeling she didn't belong there. So she's really gotten a lot of things, even in her political career, or rather her career in Chicago, she never got a job that existed. Jobs were created for her mm. uh, at the University of Chicago, at the mayor's office. They created a job because white liberals were having problems with black people and they couldn't hire a white person to deal with them. They couldn't hire a white person to kick 20,000 black people out of their home or not kick them out of the emergency room. They hired Michelle. So I think her whole life she felt she didn't belong and someone might find out that she doesn't belong and she didn't deserve what she had gotten. So that's a, a psychological condition that she has. And I think if Michelle were president, 
her goal would be to fit in. She wants to be accepted. Hmm. And she would probably do what the globalist leaders would tell her to do, always trying to please others uh, because she wants to be accepted by them. Hmm. Joe, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking you the simple question. Again, hypothetically, if Michelle Obama were to be were to be the next president for U.S., again, we're looking at Obama 2024, how much do you think that Barack continue to influence her decision again despite what you just said she she would look for ways to be accepted and also of course and she's more likely to play the game that other people tell her to do but we can't remember we're looking at kamala harris and also we're looking at her husband it's around her all the time so again going back to the question if michelle obama were to be the next president for the u.s how much do you think that Barack will continue to influence the decision that she will make? Remember, this is, as we mentioned before, this is not a job for a mayor. This is not a job for a governor. This is the president for the free world. So your final thoughts. Yeah, well, uh, the Obamas have always been a team. It's not dissimilar to the Clintons, where the husband in the team was kind of a real friendly guy, but very disorganized. And the driver of the relationship was Hillary. Mm. The same thing with, with the Obamas. It was Michelle that pushed Barack uh, politically in Chicago. Go see this person. Go see that person. That's why Michelle worked for the mayor of Chicago, so she could get connections and, and find donors and influencers to help Barack's political career. Uh, you might remember in 2008, Michelle was openly talking about this is our campaign for president, mm. Barack and I, what we're going to do in the White House. And it was only after that incident I mentioned where she said she's proud of her country for the first time that she kind of took a step back publicly. But the Obamas have always been a team. It's been a team effort and, and a co-presidency. People just didn't know it. So uh, there's no question in my mind if Michelle is elected president, it'll simply be another term for Barack Obama. And he'll obviously influence everything. And Michelle is just kind of the, the next Obama figurehead to get another term. And by the way, you can watch the movie online. You can live stream it on uh, SalemNow.com mm. or Amazon Prime Video. And the book version you can get on uh, Amazon.com. And also the DVD is on Amazon.com. Mm. Well, again, Joel, that's rather, I would say, surprising and stunning to hear that besides all the candidates who have already declared their interest, you know, and also their potential to run as the president for the country. But again, uh, today that we just talked to you regarding Michelle Obama, her goal and her ambition for the year of 2024. Well, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Joel Gilbert. And again, I strongly encourage everyone to go online. Again, as Joe mentioned before, and check out the film and also check out his book. It's called Michelle Obama 2024. Meanwhile, let's continue to follow, like, you know, this current political change and to see at the end of the day if Michelle Obama can really make it to the final ticket and if she's really going to be the next president for the United States of America. Well, Joel, thank you so much for your time. It's always been a pleasure and we'd love to have you back on the show as we continue not only just about Michelle Obama and also about all the presidential uh, elections and also this upcoming events around the states. So thank you so much for doing this. All right. Thanks again.